Hello, everyone. Inside today's Lockdown Canadians, it's expected to be a quiet trade deadline for the Montreal Canadiens. Does that mean they're going to punt the rebuild another year? Laura and I discuss that and more inside today's show. Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 788 of Lockdown Canadians. This episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And you can find us wherever you find your daily Lockdown podcast, if that's Apple, Spotify, wherever, or if you're watching us on YouTube, Make sure to subscribe, ring the bell to get notified every time we post a new video or go live. We thank you so much for your support. Laura, the Canadians, well, there's two things here. One, they lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-1. There isn't much to say other than what took Toronto so long to actually be able to do this to what is left of the Montreal Canadiens. We'll get into some of that in our down segment in the next uh, bit here. But first, the big news out of Saturday is maybe not so much news at all. It is that the Montreal Canadiens are expected to have a very quiet deadline, according to Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet. What, what are, how are we feeling about this? Because it's not unexpected, but would the Canadians always feels like to expect the unexpected in this situation? I don't know if I'm just huffing copium or not with that. So <laughs> I'm curious for your thoughts. Well, to be honest, I was disappointed when I heard that. Jeff Merrick's information is solid, right? Um, and so I don't know if that's Kent Hughes putting out there vibes that he wants more for the players that he might be trading. But it also makes sense that a lot of the players that they may or may not trade still have term. Um, so they this is not the last chance they have to trade those guys away for assets. And I think we all knew, I don't think anybody's under any illusions that next year is also going to be a rebuild year, not a contending or even necessarily a progress year, although I do hope to see some progress. I think the, the reason that I feel a bit disappointed is that this draft, this upcoming draft is pretty deep. And I would like the Canadians to collect more picks for it, right? So obviously some of the players that they would like to trade have been injured. So that kind of hampers their ability to even trade these guys. But the fact that they're saying they're going to be quiet, I mean, last trade deadline, Ken Hughes said that he didn't really have all that much intention to trade Arturi Lekkanen, and then he was able to get a good return for him. So, you know, I think that, it's partly Kent Hughes not tipping his hand, but it also partly makes sense is that the rebuild is going to take longer. And so for any of these guys that still have a year, two years left on those contracts, there's still a possibility to trade them in the future. It's just the guys that I think that have like, you know, like somebody like Dadanov or um, Jonathan Drouin, that their contracts end this year, that those are the ones that I'm hoping find a home elsewhere at this trade deadline. And I think that's the point is I'm looking at Tankathon in the background right now. The Canadians hold the 7th and 11th overall picks right now, which is phenomenal. 
that's great if you're the Montreal Canadiens. That's a huge boost for you in this draft because through that top, let's even say 15 is what we've heard, there is a lot of talent. And we're going to get into this in the down segment a little bit too, but like their biggest trading chip, I guess I should say is chips, is they're both injured. And like Sean Monahan's not playing. If he were playing and was playing at the pace that he was earlier on in the season, I have no doubt the Canadians probably could have already gotten a first round pick for him at this point, if not more. And I I do think there's some things are going to happen here because teams are always looking to add like Ryan O'Reilly already moved. Is that the, is that or the Bo Horvat like that Tyler Toffoli like trigger the Canadians pulled last year and the picks start, you know, flowing from there because we're what two and a half weeks from the trade deadline. If that, there's time for things to happen at this point, but I think it's going to be quieter than expected, barring Joel Edmondson and Sean Monahan coming back into this lineup and not just coming back, coming back and playing well in this lineup. And that's the key point there is if Monahan comes back, I think they will still get value for him somewhere. But I, I, I worry about this setting it back because fans are already restless a little bit, which I don't really know what they expected Hughes to do. The contracts that he's trying to get rid of are not ones that he signed or was general manager for here. So I, he's kind of handcuffed. No one wants to take on, you know, Yol Armia at three more years or two more years or whatever it is. These things take time and Hughes isn't just going to sell off a piece to the lowest bidder. He wants to get value back for things. And you mentioned Arturi Lekkanen last year. I don't have any intention of trading him until I get what I want. And he got what he wanted out of that. He got another, you know, second round pick and he got a top pro- top prospect for that. Justin Barron, I think, is an NHL player, maybe not a superstar, but an NHL player in that, which is good. I I, I admire that he's going to probably stick to his guns here a little bit because I don't want him to just sell pieces for the sake of selling pieces. That doesn't help actually put anyone forward in the rebuild here. I, I From a selfish content-making standpoint, I'm really hoping he does something, though. The Rocket could use some reinforcements. The Canadians themselves could probably use some reinforcements too. I'm curious, Laura, what you think your expectations are now. And this we'll probably discuss this week by week at this point. What are the expectations we have going for the trade deadline? Is that maybe they move to Donov and Druin? Maybe Monaghan goes? like, Or is it just we don't expect anything at this point? Well, I'm starting to expect nothing based on the reporting, but... I, I don't know. I think Kent Hughes is bold, right? Like he's always got something up his up his sleeve. So maybe right now he doesn't necessarily feel that he's going to be active the trade deadline. But if something comes up that he can make happen, maybe he'll make the calls or take the calls depending on the situation. I just, I felt really deflated when I heard that because I want things to happen, right? And I feel like this is a common thread among uh, Canadians fans is we're watching our team being beat by the Leafs and then we hear this at the same time. And so that to me, I think, I think the context matters is that we're in the doldrums of the year. Uh, we know this team is not going anywhere, but they're still, they aren't low enough for even a top five pick at this point. So we're working really hard to kind of find some optimism. And then it gets crushed by the, by the idea that like the Canadians aren't going to do anything at the trade deadline. Right. So 
I think that it's an emotional reaction more than a rational reaction because I do know that Hughes and Gorton, if there's an opportunity to improve the team in any way, they'll take it. I think that the difference right now is that they don't feel that any moves would necessarily improve the team in the long term. So it's, it makes sense to hold on to those guys. But again, it's also, you know, right now I'm looking at like if you're an opposing team, who, who do you look at on the Montreal Canadiens? I think you just look at Jonathan Drouin. That's it. Yeah, and obviously things change week to week, game to game. Like, we're getting to the trade deadline here. Once bigger names start going, everything changes because then teams panic, teams want to add. We're going to see how the Ryan O'Reilly trade impacts this week here. Is Jesse Pujarvi still going to move? Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? There's any number of things that are going to happen, and obviously Laura will keep you up to date while I am on vacation, and then afterwards we have our trade deadline breakdown and everything after that, but... It is Monday. It is time for three up and three down. And we're going to start with our down segment, including a surprise, maybe not hockey related, but if any of you follow me on Twitter, will not be surprised by, and that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. There's something I started using every morning because the winter months are tough and sometimes you need that little extra boost to help get you through the morning. And with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It helps your gut health, helps your nervous system, your immune system, gives you energy, focus, all those things that you're looking for. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you are vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever, it can fit into your lifestyle there. It's less than $3 a day. It's cheaper than going out and getting the coffee, buying an energy drink every morning, and it has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back here at Locked On Canadians, and it is time for three up and three down. We always start with the down segment. And in what is becoming a recurring trend for the last two years, the Montreal Canadiens, Top of the injury list. Well, there's your answer. Top of the down list is the growing injury list. Uh, rookie defenseman Arbor Jacki was placed on IR ahead of the game against Toronto. Corey Schooneman was recalled from the Laval Rocket. He ended up playing on a pair with David Savard, which, sure, why not try anything? Kirby Doc also missed the game against Toronto, feeling the lingering effects of the illness that kept him out of the game against Carolina as well. They say it's non-COVID. I also do wonder if this is also just some nagging injuries underneath that, that they went, don't bother, don't push it. The injury list getting longer and longer day by day with Sean Monahan and Joel Edmondson also sitting there with unclear direction of where they're at. It, it's not great. And it's actually kind of frustrating that we've talked about having clarity. I don't know when Sean Monahan's expected to be back. When is Joel Edmondson going to be back? Where's Brendan Gallagher? You know, where are these guys in their recovery here? Are there, are there reinforcements coming at all in the near future? And as of right now, it doesn't seem like the Canadians have an answer for that. 
I think it's coupled by this being the, la- the like the worst time for injuries because it's leading up to the trade deadline and we need them to seem durable and play and perform well uh, for a lot of these guys. So I think that's kind of also being frustrating. But the fact that they've topped the man games lost two years in a row, uh, I don't think that it's a coincidence. I, I do understand that there's bad luck with injuries and there are some you know, there's some teams that are riding really good luck with injuries. I mean, the Bruins started with like a, with a really depleted lineup, but since that, since the beginning of the season, they've been relatively healthy. They've been relatively lucky. Right. Whereas like, if you look at a team like Toronto, they've had up and down injury luck throughout the season. It hasn't actually been all that great for them. uh, If you look at it in context, but I think the fact that the Canadians can't, (laughs) Austin Matthews missed a couple of weeks. We're missing half the team. You had to have no Caulfield, no Gooley, no Slavkovsky, no Jackye, no Evans, no Doc, no Edmondson, no Monaghan. That's eight players. No Gallagher. That's nine players. Nine of them missing in this game. Not counting someone else, I'm probably forgetting here. That's nine regular lineup players, and it took you two and a half minutes. So you're going to have to excuse me if I don't feel sympathy for the Toronto Maple Leafs missing one of their star players when they have another 100-point winger they can play out there anyways and who just added Ryan O'Reilly and John Tavares. Anyways, this was not where I expected this rant to go. I don't feel much sympathy outside of anyone except for maybe the Blue Jackets this season in terms of injury luck. Like, honestly. Same. But this is what I'm saying, is that the Canadians need to stop being on this list. They need to figure out what it is. Maybe it's the way that they play, the way that they train, the medical staff, whatever it is. They need to look at this and see, like, why are we always constantly injured? Like, what is going on? Are we not doing the cool downs properly? I don't know. I don't know how sports works. I just know that like my own trainer doesn't let me get off the, the, the zoom session without me doing all my stretches. So I don't know. Um, I, I just, I think that the Canadians need to examine whatever it is that they're doing that are making their players less durable. Because the other thing too, that if you look at this is that it's a different set of players, right? They, there was a lot of turnover in the previous season. There's a lot of turnover this season. It's just not a great sustainable situation. So they do need to figure this out. Yeah, it's just like two years on the top of this list is not is not great. And yeah, I get it. Like other teams might have lost more important pieces, but death by a thousand cuts is still death at the end of it. Like other teams can make up for it. We're missing one guy. We can plug someone in there and make this work. You how do you replace nine people? Like the defense was already full of rookies and now it's full of even more less experienced rookie. It's what do you do? Like for Martin St. Louis to have even been getting the results that he has getting has gotten so far this season is impressive because he's had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup and struggles in this and that. And it's, it's just, it's annoying. And I don't know what, could be causing it if it's just these guys are at the wrong point in their career and all their bodies simultaneously fell apart at the same time or what but it's just a frustrating occurrence again because i could handle them being in this spot if like slavkovsky was playing well and getting that ice time and the trade pieces were playing well like we're seeing with harvey penard that's great we wanted that to be your ice slavkovsky this year and then and caden gooley who was playing well it's what do you do 
And now we're going to turn this into we're having two downs this week because honestly, what else can you say about this team that hasn't been said that doesn't feel like being overtly mean? We're going to shift things from battle on the ice to battle in a four-sided ring here. And I told Laura about this ahead of time so she could be prepared a little bit. Saturday night in Montreal, while the Canadians were playing in Toronto, was the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view for WWE. 90% of the show doesn't matter to any of this. What mattered was in the main event, you had Montreal's Sami Zayn against the Bloodlines, Roman Reign, in one of the hottest angles in professional wrestling, any company right now. And when I say it was so electric, they were both in the ring, the bell rang, and for four minutes, they just stand stood there soaking in crowd chants, and you can feel the intensity, and you can feel the how behind uh, Sami Zayn Montreal was, and they had an opportunity to make an absolutely legendary moment here. And in the case of everything for Montreal this year, they didn't stick the landing in the slightest, and people left dissatisfied with the way things went and it's so frustrating because it reminded me of two things that with how loud the bell center was packed house and i mean loud loud that we never got to see that during the 2021 cup run because i think arturi lekanen's goal on uh, saint jean baptiste Day would have destroyed the bell center like absolutely destroyed it with the ovation that it would have happened there and that there sports and sports entertainment are there only to break your heart. And I am very upset that they didn't stick the landing to what has been a phenomenal story. And if you haven't had a chance to look this up, I highly recommend you find a video compilation of things on YouTube and everything leading up to this Ariel Helwani of MMA fighting and did such a good job doing the narrative intro for the show that breaks it all down. The emotion is real and it's as close to art as sports entertainment can get and them not sticking the landing gets them on my down list only because I can tie this in because Sami Zayn is from Montreal. And this is quite frankly, our podcast and I will do as I please with that. But coming up in our next segment, we're going to end on a good note. It is the up section of three up three down and that's all coming up next. But first, as we mentioned, today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And guess what? If you are a new customer, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And that's bonus bets back if you don't win. All you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained in a game. And you know what? If you're feeling you're feeling frisky there, put all those together for a bigger payout in a same-game parlay at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to get your first sweat, no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Remember to make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, and here at LockedOn. And as always, please bet responsibly, play within your limits. It is the up section of three up and three down. And Laura, when I say, hey, it's Josh, we, we knew Anderson was going to score against the Leafs, even if it was the only goal scored in that game. It, it It's true. He just loves to play Toronto and score against Toronto. Had a pretty solid week overall. I got, uh, he played well against Chicago in the previous week too. 
I enjoy seeing Josh Anderson playing well because it makes me understand why he was traded for and signed to that contract in the first place. I think Josh Anderson, like some other players, the problem is always consistency because what he brings to the Montreal Canadiens or any team is quite unique. But the problem kind of is, is that he doesn't bring all that much outside of that, right? He's not as well-rounded as you want like a top six player to be. But when he's on his game and when he's fast and tough and shooting, and I just... I love to see Josh Anderson perform well. And I think that the the issue that we kind of find is that we're expecting too many things from him based on, again, that contract that you just mentioned, you traded for him, uh, signed, signed him. I just, I am so pleased right now. And the thing that I find interesting is that the better he plays, the less I kind of want him traded, uh, <laughs> at least this season. I think he likes being around this team. I think... Um, I think, though, that if there's a team that really, really is fixated on Josh Anderson and is going to give a good return, I do think that now is the time for them to strike or now is the time for Kent Hughes to take the deal because, as we know with Josh Anderson, it's going to fall off and come back. It comes in fits and spurts. I just really enjoy that like the teams that he plays the best against are Ottawa and Toronto. Um, it just it makes me happy as a Habs fan. And I look at it this way is that when Anderson plays well against divisional rivals, like right now Tampa's lined up to play Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. I look at that and go, Hey, do you, do you want this, this thing that beats Toronto? Like it's his job. Great. Cool. We'll take some. And also on the list is a guy that we kind of ragged on a little bit for not having the same impact that he had last year is Michael Pozzetta. And maybe not the same tier as Josh Anderson, but we talked about how he needed to bring some of that energy and scoring finesse that he had last year to the fourth line. He scored against Carolina on a beautiful goal there. And with Alex Belzeal and whomever else is on the fourth line, he's looked a lot more involved and engaged. And there's um, there's flaws to his game. He is what he is. He's not going to magically turn into like a 10, 15 goal forward. But on the fourth line, he fits that role well. I don't know what the long-term holds for him, but I know he's doing what he can to hold on to that spot right now. I'm happy to see him engaged in ways that are positive. And yeah, against Toronto, it's tough because they're going to roll out however many lines. The Canadians don't have the same skill to match that. But damned if he isn't trying at the very least. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is we're seeing the effort. He's trying to do all the right things. I can forgive the effort if the skill's not there. I can't forgive the skill if the effort isn't there, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing with Michael Pizzetta is that we know the level that he's capable to, uh, he's capable at playing. I, I just, for me, I think that it also might have to do with the beginning of the season. He didn't really know where his place was in this lineup. They were playing a very different game than they are now partly due to injuries, partly due to, you know, when they came out of the gate, everybody was talking about how, like, this team was unexpectedly good, right? And we we knew that it wasn't necessarily um, sustainable. I, I've used the word sustainable, like, 600 times in this podcast episode. But this is what we're, you know, so, it, like, it does kind of feel like there isn't really all that much of a place for an energy-type player in that in the in the style that they were playing coming out of the gate this season but once they once that kind of flatlined and again with all the injuries they had to kind of 
compromise the style that they were playing. Uh, also, you just, you know, this roster isn't that great. We, we have to admit that. Like, he was able to bring his energy game back. So I think that that's kind of um, something that in order for him to succeed, he needs to have a clear and definite assignment. I'm very happy with the way that he's stepping up. And I'm glad to see that that level of play that we saw when he made the team last year uh, is wasn't just a flash in the pan. I'm glad to see that he's able to continue it and bring it back. I just think with him, it's definitely a situation of putting him in the right context to succeed, but also giving him a clear defined role. The lack of a role for a lot of players is, you know, they go off the rails. Like uh, we, we talked about it with the Canadians defense for three years. Um, and, And now we're talking about it with everybody on the team. You need a de- clear, defined role, and if you can, if if you f- understand where that fits in with the team, and if you understand how your assignment affects other people, I think it really does help you bring your A game. And I think that that's what's happening here with Pizzetta is that he's understood that he didn't play well, and he's probably you know had ongoing conversations with the coaching staff, and now he's bringing the other level back. And to kind of wrap on our things this week here is once again. We know the Canadians themselves aren't very good. Their prospects, however, are phenomenal. Uh, just on Saturday night alone, Sean Farrell had two goals and an assist in a 4 nothing win. Lane Hudson had a pair of points in a Boston University overtime loss to Merrimack. Riley Kidney had five assists, I believe. And I believe Joshua Wah had a three-point night as well. The guys that you want to see performing are performing. And yeah, it's... a a long, long shot that Lane Hudson will be a Montreal Canadian next year. Cause I think he's going back at least another year for college, which you know what? Cool. That's fine with us. You know, take your time. And when there's space for you, there's space for you. Sean Farrell is expected to come in this spring though. And he's three points behind Adam Fantilli for the NCAA scoring lead. It's hard to not be giddy about that. And yes, Adam Fantilli is a freshman, But Adam Fantilli is Adam Fantilli, and all due respect to Sean Farrell, who probably should have been a second-round pick in his draft class, is not Adam Fantilli, who's expected to go top two, maybe top three at worst in this draft here. The prospects are what's keeping this fan base going, and I am glad that the big names are the ones hitting this season. Mayu's hit 20 goals in the OHL. You've seen Philip Mashar's coming on. Owen Beck is still Owen Beck, even though the points haven't been there in Peterborough. We talked to Tony Ferrari about that a little bit to assuage some of those concerns. The guys in the QMJHL are still dominating the score sheets in that. And in the NCAA, two of the biggest names going for the Canadians and prospects are doing what we wanted them to do. It's hard to not be giddy about that. It does. It makes me reassess the trade deadline and that the Canadians' biggest trade deadline acquisition isn't, you know, moving out contracts. It's getting Sean Farrell in to this group here. It's bringing in Emil Heineman or potentially Adam Engstrom from Europe, even if they're going to the Rocket. It's bringing these prospects into the fold to start the next step of their career going forward. Um, all I'm going to say is I'm going to be talking to Hattie about these on the Thursday episode this week without Scott. Sorry, Scott, I'm having a lot of fun without you. Um, So we're going to be talking about the Habs prospects. uh, So check out the Thursday episode for sure. Check out all our episodes, but just so you know, on Thursday, uh, it's it's the episode with Hattie discussing Habs prospects. Yes, we're going to have plenty of that coming up too. Once the trade deadline comes and goes, we have 
what a month of hockey left after that Canadians hockey. Anyways, there is a Laval rocket potential playoff run. There is the Memorial cup. There's the CHL playoffs. There's think there's uh championship rounds happening in Europe. We will have plenty of prospect news to discuss. So please make sure you're following us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at the active stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. You can find us wherever you get your daily podcasts and on YouTube. If you're watching this, please make sure you subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when we post a new episode. As always, folks, thank you so much, and we will see you all next time.